When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. High in the air, Brito back at the wall, adios, Pelota! That's the type of manager that I'd like to be, which is the same every day. They know what they're going to get. They're going to get energy, they're going to get accountability, they're going to get structure, and they're going to get support. And I'm going to bring those things to the dugout in the clubhouse regularly. It takes hard work, uh, and it takes humility, taking one step forward at a time, making one good baseball move after another. And I really feel like that's how we're going to get where we hope and intend to go. You're listening to Bags and Brisby on Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 148 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. I am Grant Brisby. I'm here with Andy Baggerly. Andy, I've been waiting for this one for a while. 148. What do you think of when you hear that number in relation to the Giants? 148. Um, oh my gosh. Uh, 148. Um I, I don't even have a guess. Oh, wow. You just failed Final Jeopardy. I stumped the Jeopardy champion. <laughs> Tim Litzicum pitches for a no-hitter. Oh, okay. That number, 148 pitches for a no-hitter. I I love it and I hate it, but I love it. Like, it's just, it's so of its, like, it's never going to happen again. 148 pitches. Yeah. Doesn't Edwin Jackson kind of say, hold my beer? Didn't he have a... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> he had a 149 pitch no hitter, so you know it's, oh, wow. uh, it's and, and now he's an Olympian. Oh, we're, we're, oh, is he on that team? Yeah, that's right. He's on there with Scott Casimir. Oh gosh, that's going to be great theater. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's uh, and and uh, and Todd Frazier got some Frazier Flav going on in uh, on that Olympic team, <laughs> and um, and hey, Jimmy Scherfe was was on the qualifying team. He's he's not going to get a medal if if the U.S. medals because they don't give medals to the people on the qualifying team. But he did uh, get victories as a Giant and a Dodger pitcher this season, which nobody can ever say they've done before. So that's, that's you know, that's not nothing. Uh, well, that's a gentle segue into actually talking about it. Look, we're recording this on, on Wednesday because I'm traveling in, in I, we couldn't do Thursday, and I thought, boy, you know, we just did a podcast on Monday. Are we going to come back on Wednesday and have nothing to talk about? Uh, no, no, that, that wasn't a problem. <laughs> I think we have stuff to talk about. The Giants lost a brutal bullpen game. Is it time to start cracking each other's heads open and feasting on the goo inside? It really did remind me of opening day in a lot of ways, <laughs> right? Right up in, uh, to the point where I pulled up my uh, stat head um, list of, of times the Giants have hit four home runs in a game and lost because I thought, gosh, when's the last time they did that? And then, oh, oh, yeah, that that happened on opening day in Seattle. They hit four home runs in a loss, and um, you know that that's why it stings. It's you know, they did everything right. Uh, John Brebbia obviously gave back a, a little bit of the lead to make it too close for comfort, but uh, you know Harleen Garcia was great in the seventh. He's been great for a long time now. Jake McGee thought, okay, he's coming off back-to-back you know appearances. Uh, he hasn't been really good on no rest in terms of his fastball, but whoa, there he is throwing 96. He gets the two lefty hitters out he's supposed to. 
And they don't even have Max Muncy or Justin Turner to deal with in the ninth because Alex Wood pelted both of them with pitches and both of them left with various contusions. So you got Tyler Rogers to handle uh, really the two right-handed threats that were left, which was Chris Taylor, who had two homers and a double in that game. And then you knew there was Will Smith lingering on the bench. And it was just over so fast. Walk, walk, walk off home run. And that's it. I mean, that's what made it so stunning was just how fast it happened. There were a lot of angry people on Twitter. Imagine that. Um, but specifically because once the the kind of word got out that that Gabe Kapler said, uh, gosh, he just he didn't look right. Like he his warm ups didn't look quite right. And people were like, well, you at that point, you got to pull him. You got I, I don't think that that was ever like a plan. I think. You know, once he's you're warming up before an inning as a manager, you can't say, oh, those looked awful. You know, bring in the next guy like you have no time. And even after he walked to that's when, okay, now you have to get someone up. But then, boom, it's over. Like there was once Rogers is in, you're not looking at his warm up pitches and deciding, oh, this isn't going to work. It's just you're kind of doomed if it doesn't work. Yeah, you are loaded in uh, the car. The uh, safety bar is down around your lap. The car is already moving on the um, on the track of the roller coaster, and now you notice that there's four loop de loops coming up. You can't ask off. You you are on this roller coaster. Uh, once Tyler Rogers takes them out in that game and starts throwing his warm ups, uh, if you don't think he looks right, you're stuck with him for three batters. And you could say that that's good. You could say that that's bad. You could. Uh, have any number of opinions about that. But the two takes that I think are just, I mean, frankly, ignorant takes. One is, well, they should have pulled him because, I mean, they couldn't by rule. The second one was, why did they monkey around with what they've been doing all year and and pitch McGee in the eighth and Rodgers in the ninth instead of vice versa? And it's like, no, have you been watching this team all year? Rodgers has 10 saves for a reason. They've been very consistent with how they've deployed those two guys and McGee was going to get two lefty batters. And uh, yeah, Rogers was going to have to go through uh, Beatty, who's a lefty batter in the ninth. But their biggest threat looming on the bench was Will Smith. is a right-handed hitter. And I know you can point out that Rogers has a slightly negative split this year. But you don't want Jake McGee facing uh, you know, the Dodgers' best right-handed uh, hitter on their bench with the game on the line. And by the way, Mookie Betts was still on their bench too, even though I don't think he was available. So... I don't think you can really fault anything that Gabe Kapler did in terms of how he deployed his bullpen. Even the people who were like, why was John Brebbia in that game? Well, they used six innings of bullpen the night before. And Kapler even said prior to the game that the bullpen situation was, you know, not not ideal going into that game. So, um, you know, it's sometimes you just have to say, hey, this is our leverage reliever. He was used in the right spot. Uh, it didn't work out. He didn't have it. Uh, just brush it off. We know those happen from time to time. Or you could look at it and say, this is a symptom of something the Giants need to fix. And, oh, hey, there's this trade deadline right around the corner. What a great time to fix it. And I, I think that you can be right on both counts. You can you can brush it off as a one-off that was really, really fluky. And you can also see it as a sign of, of something the Giants can definitely fix and get better at uh, at the trade deadline. 
Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Listen, when you invest three hours in a normal game, not against the second place Dodgers, not against your rival, but you invest three hours only to lose it in the ninth inning, it's tough and it's easy to overreact. And last night, Giants fans, well, they weren't very happy. And so there were reactions on social media and such. What I look at and the way that I was able to step back is, yes, that was an awful, awful outing from Tyler Rogers. And it ballooned his ERA up to 2.05, which makes you think, gosh, you know what? He's been really, really, really good this year. Since the start of June, up until he entered the game last night, he had a 1.10 ERA since the start of June, like he was pitching well. He's been pitching well for the most part all year, except against the Dodgers. And maybe that's a thing or maybe it's not. But I do think that he's someone that deserved the trust going into last night and probably still deserves it, you know, even after last night. Yeah, it's really stunning when you look at the one thing that jumped out to me, not just against the Dodgers, but at Dodger Stadium. He's made nine career appearances at Dodger Stadium and he's given up 12 runs. And you take all of his other road appearances in every other ballpark besides Dodger Stadium. And he's given up four runs in 33 appearances. So it's just been Dodger Stadium for whatever reason. I don't know if they have a submarine batting practice machine in a tunnel underneath the stadium or something or the hitting background or, or maybe that there's there's something that the Dodgers have trained for or some way that they're more comfortable against him. Or it's just a small sample fluke. But uh, either way, uh, there's two games left at Dodger Stadium, and that's it for this season until there may be some postseason entanglement there. So I think that uh, the sooner that uh, Tyler Rogers can put this place in his rearview mirror, maybe the better. But clearly it's a, a place where he's going to have to flush it and learn to have some success because the Giants are going to be back here a lot. And that's obviously been his kryptonite here is pitching at Dodger Stadium. I'm reading between the lines. You're, you're suggesting that the Dodgers are, are banging on trash cans, aren't you? Uh, <laughs> I, yeah, it's the 72 mile an hour pitch coming. No, right. it's the 79 mile an hour pitch coming. Coming. Oh, he's he's doing he's gonna do that weird thing where he drops down. Yep. Watch out for it. He's gonna Watch do out. that weird motion. <laughs> oh, but you bring up a good point. Like, all right, it's it's deadline time, and I spent a lot of time this week looking at starting pitching. I think I talked myself into the idea that starting pitching is where it's at. The Giants need a starter, and I was really not focusing on the bullpen. I thought ah, Rogers, McGee, Harling Garcia has kind of reached a new level. Uh, you just get one more guy. Maybe it's Dominic Leon. Like, you know, I was kind of okay if they had like a core four in place. Uh, I think last night broke my brain, so I'm writing about it right now. I think one more reliever is a must, if only not to like prevent what might have happened, because y you're not going to get uh, Mariano Rivera in his prime, who's going to be perfect, or Eric Gagne or something. There will still be blown saves. It's more a matter of pushing everyone back like everyone gets a little bit you know it gives Gabe Kapler more room to play in different leverage situations it gives the Giants depth and you wrote last night that's what they're goofy about they're goofy about depth yeah I you know what I, I really did kind of recalibrate a little bit based on last night's game either and not not just because hey you know uh, it was a blown save 
But I, I sort of had the same thought that you did. They need to go out and and reinforce the, the starting rotation, and maybe they kill two birds with one Randy Johnson stone, as you wrote, and uh, and they can move a you know a Sammy Long when he's healthy, or a Logan Webb even, or somebody else to the bullpen to strengthen it and give them you know another sort of long relief piece. Uh, but you know, the more I think about it, I you really do make this bullpen better if you improve it from the back end. And it reminds me of something that Farhan Zaidi said at the winter meetings. I think it was before the 2020 season after the the Dodgers acquired Mookie Betts. And his point was basically, you know, you reach a stage as an organization where you have so much talent and you are so loaded that the only way you can make a meaningful improvement is to go out and get a megastar player, a Mookie Betts type player. And that's what the Dodgers did because you could go get a sort of second tier star player, but is it really going to be better than smooshing together a Jock Peterson and a Chris Taylor in a platoon and the overall production you get out of that? Probably not. So, you know, you have to make a big, bold move to get better. And that's what you're always after as an organization, as a front office is to make that roster better. And the giants have gone out and they've spent about 7 million bucks on their bullpen. And they've got one of the better bullpens in the national league. It's, it's more valuable than the Dodgers in terms of win above average. Uh, they just DFA'd a guy, Jimmy Scherfe, that, that just was the winning pitcher for the Dodgers last night. The Dodgers picked him up. So that tells you where they are from a depth standpoint. You know, the giants have gotten better as a bullpen, but they're at the stage where if they really want to improve on that, then they have to get the star reliever. They have to get the game-shortening type of reliever. And Aroldis Chapman's not available, uh, but Craig Kimbrell is. Rysel Iglesias might be. Those guys are going to cost you a lot in terms of prospect timber and how much they're going to be willing to give up uh, for for a relief pitcher. I, I don't know. And you know that they're going to have a lot of competition. A lot of other teams are going to want those relievers too. But for them to get better as a bullpen and to move everyone back a little bit and to get deeper, which we know that they value, uh, hey, that you have a Craig Kimbrell you can rely on in the ninth. All of a sudden, you can use Tyler Rogers in the sixth or seventh or any pocket that you want to take, you know, use that bullet and, and take down a couple of batters because you know he can pitch whenever. You don't have to save him for save situations, et cetera. Uh, I, I think it makes this bullpen a lot better to have that kind of hammer in the ninth. But there's very few of those guys. They're going to cost you. Are they going to at all have an appetite to pay what it's going to take? That's kind of the operative question right now. Yeah, I think it's a good point in that you can't just look at last night and think, oh, you know, what are you going to do about the Tyler Rogers problem? I mean, there is no Tyler Rogers problem. You're going to rely on Tyler Rogers no matter what. The Giants are going to be using him in high leverage situations unless it becomes untenable. So it's less about Tyler Rogers and more about, okay, John Brebbia. You know what I mean? Like it's those runs, like pushing everything back a little bit and just eliminating the sketchier innings from uh, relievers who are you're a little bit less comfortable with in high leverage situations and i'm looking at two headlines and two dates and one headline from mlb.com is june 25th 2020 john brebbia undergoes tommy john surgery and now i'm looking at one from june 20th 2021 less than a year later john brebbia back for giants after tommy john surgery his recovery was 
like wildly fast and that's great in one sense but there's always like you know is he ready to go every day back to back games is he does he have command i mean i know that that's one of the last things to come back after tommy john surgery is command i've heard someone say that it's almost like pitching with someone else's arm for a while you're still figuring it out uh that's more what the giants should be worried about is just making sure that every appearance is by a reliever they can trust. And that's why this team is where it is. You know, the, the back end of the bullpen, the, the end of the bench, um, you know, the, the sixth, seventh, and eighth spots in the lineup. The Giants have been better than most of the teams they've played uh, at using the back half of their roster. And uh, uh, so, yeah, that's, uh, that, that's certainly something they've paid attention to. And I, I assume it's something they will pay attention to. Going forward, and the other point, um, you know, Alex Pavlovich made this point to me in the press box yesterday, and I thought it was a really good point. Um, if they really do want to get in the postseason and, and try to navigate a few levels of that postseason, uh, and some of the teams they're going to face here in the second half, whether it's the Padres, they got a lot of games left against the Padres, they're going to face the Mets and the Brewers still a lot, and those teams have a lot of really good pitching uh, that, that is, can mow people down. Um, but they're going to face lineups that are a lot tougher than 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 what they faced, you know, in, in a lot of the season thus far. The Astros are coming in soon, and it's one thing to have a, a back end of the bullpen that you can trust, uh, you know, to subdue the Diamondbacks for six outs. It's another thing to take down, you know, the Padres for all the games they've got left against them. To say nothing of the teams that they might face in a postseason series. So, you know, I think this bullpen has done what it's supposed to do against. You know some some fairly bad teams, but the challenge is gonna it's gonna be ratcheted up, isn't it? It is, and that makes me wonder. Okay, so if you're going to get a reliever, if you're going to trade for a bullpen arm, are you? To me, it feels like it's almost binary. Like you're either getting the Craig Kimbrell, you know, or you're you're just giving up a lot for Richard Rodriguez, the, the guy. Like you know, this is going to be your ninth inning guy. And you know that this is going to be, uh, it's it's going to be brainless for Kapler. It's, he's going to be able to put the closer in the ninth inning. He's going to be able to play with McGee and Rogers where he wants. It's either that or nothing. Because I think if you kind of try and split the difference with, I don't know, Ian Kennedy, uh, maybe even Russell Iglesias, it, it might not be as effective. And you're still going to be giving up prospects that you're not comfortable with. Is that is that too bleak? No, I don't think so. I, I do think that you can make the case that, you know, any kind of move that they make for, um, you know, sort of a, a decent reliever is going to be, you know, not much more than a lateral move at this stage. You know, just getting back to the idea of, you know, they're good enough that for them to, to really improve in a meaningful way, they need to go get someone who can shorten the game. And, and you know, I, I remember when the Cubs got Aroldis Chapman in, in 2016, you know, they went for it. They gave up you know, Glaber Torres, and they're like, "This is we want to win a World Series, and this is a guy who can basically turn a game from 27 outs into a 24-out proposition. And there's tremendous value in that. Uh, so I think that's the kind of reliever that, uh, you know, it's not just ideal, but but really the only kind of reliever that can make them significantly better. Um, and, and, you know, and maybe they'll, they'll decide, hey, it's better off that we use uh, the prospects we're comfortable trading to get us help in the rotation. Um, who knows, maybe in another turn through the rotation, they, the need is even more glaring there for one reason or another. Um, and we know that they they need to start building a rotation for next season too, uh, with, with everyone 
Ingram is a free agent. So, you know, they, they may calibrate that the need is more important for them uh, now and for the future uh, to go get them starting pitching that, that they can rely on. But in the short term, I don't think there's any question the way that this team can get instantly better is by getting a game-shortening reliever. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by of code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Craig Kimbrell is going to be very, very popular at the trade deadline uh, because he's pitching so, so well. I mean, he's... I'm not... I can never tell when a closer is on a Hall of Fame path, but it sure feels like he's closer than most uh, closers get to a Hall of Fame path. He's 33 years old. He has uh, one of the highest strikeout rates of his career. He has one of the lowest walk rates of his career right now. He has a a .52 ERA, 60 strikeouts in 34 and two-thirds innings. He is dominant right now, but that just means that everyone's going to want him. So... Did the Giants have to give up Bart? Do they have to give up Ramos? Do they have to give up Bart and Ramos and maybe Canario for a guy like Kimbrel? Like, what is the trade market going to be for this guy? Is it are teams going to have to come over the top to to get him from the Cubs? I mean, you know, it costs the Cubs Glaber Torres, so I, I got to imagine that that the the really elite reliever is is one of the few rental players. And Kimbrel's not a complete rental, right? Isn't he under contract for next year, I believe? I think He has a $16 million team option that will probably okay. be picked up. So, you know, there is a potential for another year of club control there, uh, albeit an expensive year of club control. But we've already established the Giants are spending $7 million total on their bullpen this year. Um, you know, they, they've got a lot of payroll room, so that shouldn't be a problem if they really forecast Craig Kimbrell as a difference maker. And we know these guys are valued within the industry. I mean, the A's uh, gave 10 million bucks to Trevor Rosenthal. They didn't get anything out of him because he immediately got hurt. But, you know, the A's are not a team that spends a lot of money. And they went out and spent 10 million bucks on a guy who could, you know, get saves and get three outs for them. Um, On the other hand, we know how prospects are valued. You, You bring up Canario, you bring up Joey Bart. You know, what if I mentioned a guy like Will Wilson? It's going to cost you Will Wilson. You think, well, that's not so bad. He's probably at the back end of their top 10 prospects. You know, he's not a guy uh, who, you know, you think of when you rattle off the, the the names of the untouchables. Well, they also spent like 12 million bucks to get Will Wilson from the Angels uh, an offseason or two ago uh, in that salary dump trade for Zach Cozart. So that tells you how... The, how the industry values a player like him and how the, how the Giants value a player like him. So um, I, I think that there's two things. There's, there's the cost of, of what they feel the prospects are worth and that there's the opportunity cost of, okay, if we cross the bridge and we trade Joey Bart now, well, what does that mean? What, what we're, are we giving up the opportunity to be able to, to use him to acquire later? And uh, all of these balls are in the air, and, and I'd love to be a fly on the wall in, in – um, you know, Farhan Zaidi's home office or wherever they're conducting business and, and and be a part of some of these conversations they're having because I, I don't think there are any easy answers, no matter how smart you are. All right. Well, you are the uh, general manager of the Giants now. Uh, congratulations. Oh, thank it you. is July 30th and the deadline is ticking down. Tick, tick, tick. You have a minute left. You have 
offers from the Nationals for Max Scherzer. You have an offer from uh, the Cubs for Craig Kimbrell. Uh, they involve the exact same players or something similar where you can't do one deal without the other. You have to choose between Scherzer and Kimbrell. Which way are you going, general manager of the Giants? I would take Kimbrell and I would also uh, take some leftover spider tack and stick him to uh, Chris Bryant, uh, maybe <laughs> Andrew Chafin. You know, Kyle Hendricks can come too. Sure. Uh, you know, I, I, I really am going to be interested to see what kind of match the Giants and Cubs might be able to make and what the Scott Harris dynamic could be because, you know, that's, that, that is an advantage for the Giants to have a guy who knows that that Cub front office as well as Scott Harris does. So um, I, I will cede the title of general manager as much as you bestow it on me to Scott Harris because I think I trust his ability to make a deal with the Cubs more than my own. That's a good point. And uh, first off, Andrew Chafin is off the table because he looks to Chicago. Like he, he is deep dish pizza uh, on two legs right now. And you cannot take him out of Chicago. He just looks, he just plays the part too well. So, but it's a good fit in a lot of ways because they have a ton of what the Giants might be looking for. They have, uh, if you're looking for, uh, uh, obviously the shutdown relief, you've got Kimbrell. If you are looking for maybe uh, more of a, a complimentary piece, you do have Chafin uh, or someone like that. If you want to go all in for a pitcher uh, under team control, you have Kyle Hendricks. I don't know how available he might be, but maybe that's where you're just, if you're going to dump, you know, half of your top 10 prospects, maybe you get a guy like Hendricks who's around for another year or two. Um, you have even like Javi, Javi Baez probably isn't going to get traded. I don't think he would fit with the Giants, but you do have Chris Bryant who definitely would. That's, that is the organization that, that might be the best fit. I mean, you know, the white flag trade happened on the south side. Make it happen on the north side. And by the way, I just called up a picture of Andrew Chafin. And, oh, my goodness, I think he just walked out of the Superfan sketch with uh, George Wendt and, <laughs> and, uh, and all those guys. Yeah, that's he, – he, he belongs in the, in the bleachers at Soldier Field on a, on, a, on a Chicago Bears Sunday. He should be allowed to wear a tan trench coat out to the mound. Uh, like a tan, like raincoat. You know what I mean? Like whenever I watch like a Cubs game, it seems like the whole crowd is those tan, like, I don't even know what you call them. I, I, I've seen them in games from the eighties when I watch like classic games and I see them now. It's like a uh, standard Chicago apparel. Yeah. Yeah. Standing in line outside a, a Vienna beef hot dog stand, uh, wearing your tan trench coat. It's just nothing more Chicago you can do. <laughs> I'm I'm bummed because when I went to Chicago, I never tried an Italian beef. Are you an Italian beef guy? Oh, I love I love Italian oh, beef. Now there's man, there's a secret. There, there's a secret to an Italian beef sandwich. Uh, first, you have to make sure that they dunk it. They got it. They got to dunk the 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 roll in the the juice. The other thing is you got to make sure that it's got the jardiniere on it, the the spicy pickle relish. Yeah. And and if you're given a choice between sweet peppers and hot peppers. There's only one answer, and it's both. The answer is both. You put both of them on. And, and I'll, I'll, I'll give you my secret spot because Al's is, is well known. You can go to a lot of Portillo's and you get a good beef sandwich there, uh, a little, little on the oily side. But my spot is in Skokie, Illinois, uh, on Dempster Road. Uh, it's called Herm's Palace. And if you ever find yourself in that little corner of Chicagoland, as they call it, you got to go to Skokie, Illinois, to Herm's Palace and order the beef. 
And, and, and you know what? Maybe get a Chicago dog on the side, too, because a hot dog can be a side dish. I am looking at pictures of it right now. Uh, not just... Oh God, man, I need to go out there. That looks just just incredible. And the ambiance on the outside, it looks just like a little hole in the wall. I am I am in, in, just incredibly jealous that you have tried this. I think it was about maybe four miles from uh, the Northwestern campus when I was an undergrad. And uh, I, I if, if Uber and Lyft had, had existed back then... I probably would have been there every day, uh, but I didn't have a car. So, um, but yeah, Herm's Palace is my spot, and uh, I will go out of my way. I I will fly into O'Hare for a series at Milwaukee just so I can rent a car, drive up I ninety four, get off on uh, on Dempster, and and go hit my Herm's Palace on the way up to Milwaukee, and then probably hit it on the way back too. So, um, yeah, that's. Uh, I will go out of my way to stop at Herm's Palace. So shout out to everybody at Herm's. Um, keep doing what you're doing. You're making the country a better place. Whenever I, I travel uh, for work, I always just love to go on, you know, to figure out where is the one place I'm going to go. And and when I went to Houston, I had like pho that was recommended because they have an incredible Vietnamese restaurant. It's like, I feel like I've done well for myself whenever I travel uh, to New York and, and this. I have regrets. And my two biggest regrets are I didn't try an Italian beef when I was in Chicago. And now you've made me regret that even more. And the second is I never tried St. Louis pizza just to kind of get an idea of what it's about. Just, just so I could be a part of the conversation. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think if you actually did try the St. Louis pizza, you would probably recalibrate and regret would, would be a word that you would use in maybe a different context. I want to know Skyline Chili. I want to know St. Louis pizza. Oh, I can't be a part of the discourse. You know, it's it really is. Like God looked at the divisions when he made them and said, all right, I've got a city where they put French fries on the sandwich. That's great. Yes. Pittsburgh, you're in. Chicago, you, you, everything you do is delicious. You're in. All right, now we got to balance this out. So Skyline Chili, okay, we got to put that there. Uh, uh, the, the place where they, they put Provel processed cheese on cracker bread with like sugary sweet sauce and call it pizza. Yeah, we'll put that in there too and, and have a gooey butter cake for dessert. And by the way, even even Ted Drew's frozen custard is overrated. If you've been if you've had Cops frozen custard in Milwaukee, you you'll know. But that, that's the other thing. You got you got uh, Milwaukee's actually a pretty good food town. One of my favorite places uh is 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 uh, called Bavetta Butchery and it's a really really good spot in the downtown Milwaukee and you can get some solid solid grub in Milwaukee including uh, an actual frozen custard that uh will have you dreaming of frozen custard for weeks and months. All right, this is a bad decision to record this specific podcast around lunchtime because I am it I, is. I'm Oh, man. All right. All right. You know, real quick, one of the things that I've noticed, I'm going to write about this. I'm writing about uh, bullpen trade options uh, uh, today. There's just a really bad matchup when it comes to the bad teams, the teams that you know would sell if they had like dominant closers, the Orioles, the Marlins, the Royals. Uh, there just aren't like these teams are bereft. They don't even have like that one guy who has a wild uh, K uh, strikeout to walk ratio. They don't like all of these teams. You just wish that they had one guy to poach and most of them don't. That's probably going to mess the Giants up, right? You've looked into this a little deeper than I have, but yeah, I, I think that's a great point. Um, you know, those are the teams that are going to be most motivated to deal. Um, and, you know, you've got Rodriguez with, with the Pirates, and, and he's, he's probably the closest you come to finding a reliever like that. But he's not, as you mentioned, you know, the guy who's got, you know, 14 strikeouts per nine innings. Um, uh, 
Uh, what about uh, uh, James Karinchak with the uh, Indians? I, I don't think the Indians are in a sell mode right now, but maybe if they lose eight in a row, they could be. Um, I, but yeah, there's not too many of those guys out there. You're right. When you have a guy and you say, oh, you know, he's got a good ERA or, or he's, uh, he's been a high leverage guy on this team. There's always like a wart. Like you go through the Cardinals bullpen. We've talked about him. We've seen him. They have just a ton of guys who walk the world. You go to the Indians and you have a guy like Brian Shaw, who's been there before a veteran. He's walking the world right now. And it, it just seems like every reliever at this deadline has warts in a way that, that they usually don't. Like it feels like there's more of an abundance in different years. So this year, I think it's it's going to be Rogers with the Twins. I think it's going to be Rodriguez with the Pirates. Uh, Kimbrel, of course, uh, Iglesias with the Angels, and that's about it. When you're talking lockdown, shutdown relievers that you feel good about, that you can trust, that once they're there, that you can start playing with McGee and Rogers. It's like there's four, and they're going to be. 12 teams i don't i you know more than that after these guys it's going to be a, a little bit of a bloodbath i think yeah even the mariners when when kendall graveman was throwing so well i mean the mariners are in it you know they're yeah. they're they're playing well and and they haven't had this opportunity very much lately so they're not gonna they're not gonna punt it away um so you know it, it, it's always going to be fluid right up until the deadline and i think that teams will you know there may even be some opportunities post deadline especially guys who have some money owed to them um, but, uh, yeah, y- you can bet that the Giants are going to work overdrive to try to improve this roster. I, I, I do think that they, they sense that, you know, Hey, th- th- these veterans have bought in, these guys have gotten to, to where they've, they've gotten as, as a group. Um, and I think that the, the Giants are going to be motivated to, to, you know, try to make that group better. And, and, and right now, especially in the aftermath of last night, I think it'd be pretty clear to say that the, the easiest thing they could do uh, to make this team instantly better is to find that game shortening reliever if they can, because those guys are kind of unicorns. Yeah, no, I, I still think Taylor Rogers makes a lot of sense. And real quickly, because we're we're just about out of time, we've joked about the Twins hanging up on the Giants. That when you have a, a history of bad trades with a team, do. Does the team care? Like, do the Twins care if it's the Giants that they're dealing with? Like, do they have a bad omen? Or is it just like every trade is is unique? I get the feeling that they don't take it that personally. Unless there's a situation where they feel like they've been given damaged goods. And there have been a few of those, you know, deals over the years. But, yeah, I I wouldn't think so. But, you know, yeah. I mean, maybe it makes you a little more wary. Uh, I, I do think that that's a little bit of a, a thing of the past. The, the whole notion of we have to win the trade, you know, to save our our hides. And also, I think the the other thing that's a thing of a past is you know we need to showcase this guy. And and uh, you know I, I heard of some chatter when the Giants moved up Elliot Ramos from Double A AA to AAA. Oh, you know maybe they're just going to showcase him uh, by letting him you know get a bunch of hits in in a, a more hitter friendly league. And, you know, I was told by, by someone in the organization, you know, this was totally a development decision. And, you know, let's give everybody else in baseball a little bit of credit. Um, there aren't any front offices that are going to spit tobacco and basically say, well, you know, he hit a homer last night. Look, we need to get him. You know, they, they've got reports going back months and months and years and years. And, and, and they know who these players are. So, um, yeah, I, I think that I, I do think that maybe you're a little wary if you've gotten fleeced or feel like you've been fleeced by a team. But. I think there's so much information out there that if you do get fleeced, 
you probably take the finger and you point it back at yourself and you realize, hey, we had the information to make a better deal and we didn't make it. All right. This has been episode 148 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. We will be back next week and we're going to talk about uh, probably trade deadline stuff. I think that this is just what we're going to be doing for the next couple weeks because it's so dang fascinating. But thanks for listening and we will see you then. <laughs>